I'm always on the lookout for the next great story. So if you know a woman I should feature on the story behind her success, reach out anytime. Candy at CandyOterry.com. I'm based in Boston, and many of the stories you hear on the show are from around here. But trust me, I will follow a great story wherever it is, no matter where it is across our country. Hi, this is Candy O'Terry. Welcome to the story behind her success. Now, here's a startling fact. The fastest growing segment of the homeless population is single moms with one or two children. I had to sit with that fact for a minute and imagine what it must be like to worry not only about your own safety, you're out there alone in the world with no support system, but also to worry about your children, knowing that you are their person. They are your number one responsibility, and they depend on you for food, for shelter, for safety, for comfort, for love. Pretty overwhelming, right? Well, in the spotlight, a woman who is spending day and night doing what she can to make a difference, to end homelessness at a Boston-based nonprofit called Heading Home Incorporated, where she is the chief development officer. She's determined to shine a light on this issue and to lift women and children out of homelessness. Heading Home is doing inspiring work through their programs that meet each client where they are, creating a brighter future for 1,400 clients every year. Her name is Suzanne Pichet, and this is her story. As we settled into the interview, I asked Suzanne to tell us more about the mission of this really noble nonprofit. The mission of Heading Home is to help men, women, and children end their homelessness. And we've been in business in greater Boston now for 47 years. Give us an update on homelessness, because as I was preparing for this interview, I was thinking the pandemic can't have helped this. It must have hurt it even more. Absolutely. Our clients, 82% of whom identify as BIPOC, you know, really sit at the epicenter of our nation's crises, from racial injustice to the economic difficulties that have come out of COVID, and then, of course, the disparity in health outcomes for our population. So it has been a tough road, but we're delighted to be able to say that our support continues to mean the world to them. Well, the pandemic has made us all worry about our safety, and feeling safe is at the core of our being, along with shelter and food. When you're homeless, you have none of those basic human needs which you need to survive. When a person or a family arrive at the door of heading home, what do you see? Imagine for a moment that you're a 30-year-old young woman with two children. And you have had to admit to the Department of Transitional Assistance that you need help. I pause right there because for me, I can't imagine that I would have had the guts or the courage to raise my hand in that way. So our clients come to us pretty broken. They feel very down about where they are in their lives. And on top of that, they have the trauma of not feeling safe and worrying about the safety of their children. And so brain science has taught us that when we're in trauma, when we don't feel safe, our brains hang out in the back in safety and survival. And so the cognitive functioning, our executive functioning, where you and many of us spend the majority of our time, our day, thinking about solving problems and 
looking for patterns and planning for the future, that sort of shuts down. And so our clients come to us very broken, very sad. And the first step for us in helping them on their recovery is to meet them where they are and to extend ourselves so that trust can begin to be built. Are there any stories that you can share with us without identifying any of, obviously, your your clients, but to give us a taste of really what this feels and looks like? Absolutely. We've had clients who have come to us and after couch surfing, after finding themselves in places they never imagined. A young woman comes to mind right now who grew up in sort of shoulder communities of Boston. She was a rising star in high school. She got into college. She went to Florida to college, and in college, she became pregnant. Her father received his seventh DUI here, back here in Massachusetts. And now this young woman was faced with what to do with her pregnancy advancing and nowhere to go back here in Massachusetts. She returned home and did not have a place to go. Couch surfed, as I mentioned, for quite some time and then ended up at heading home. Today, she talks about teaching her children the difference between a need and a want. She's a pretty demanding mom and she's holding down two jobs and and doing very well for herself. There is a cycle of poverty I know about the cycle of abuse, and now I'm learning that there's a cycle of poverty that people get stuck in. Explain this. Imagine for a moment not having a network of support, not having what I would call social capital. Imagine that. And what social capital, Candy, looks like is when you or somebody that you know has difficulty. We all know people, and maybe we have even experienced trauma. And when we have challenge... We have maybe 200 folks in our inner circle and then maybe the next circle that we can speak to, that can advise us, that can help us and support us through Mm. this period of difficulty. Our clients don't have that advantage. It's like a layer of protection. A hundred percent, Candy. It's just like a layer of protection. So not only imagine now they don't have a home, which is where we feel safe, but then they don't have this layer of protection. Somebody asked recently, how many times a week might you or I call somebody who loves us or cares about us? Five times a week? Seven times a week? Imagine that. And imagine if you didn't have somebody on the other end of the phone who you could call. Well, you work with 1,400 clients annually. And what a lot of people don't realize is that half of them are children. What happens psychologically? You've talked about with adults, our executive function shuts down. What happens to a growing child when he or she has no home? Brain development for children without a home is really interrupted. And that's the piece that is so disturbing, to see kids in a place where they don't have spaces to call their own. They can't have play dates, so to speak, at the shelter. I mean, they could, but it would be difficult to have a play date at a shelter, right? And so brain development needs to flourish in a space of safety. And without that space of safety, we often see an inability to self-regulate. It makes it more difficult to do well in school. So here, the cycle starts to repeat itself. So interesting, because I'm thinking about my own children when they're small. Obviously, they needed to be in their own room, in their own bed, with their special blankie and their little teddy bear in order to fall asleep. And these children have none of that. 
Absolutely. And furthermore, many of them may live in a congregate setting, which means their families live in a triple-decker, perhaps in Dorchester, and they share that space with six other families who are ultimate strangers. Let's go back just a little bit because I need to know how you got to where you are today. Because the stories of our lives are always about things that have happened before where you are now. So let's go back to your childhood. Where are you from and what was life like in your house? I grew up in a crazy place, an island, actually, where the Detroit River and Lake Erie meet, a place called Grosseal, Michigan. 8,000 people on this island, two bridges to get to the island. My grandfather was part of the team that brought running water to the island in the early 1920s. After. You should see the smile on your face when you talk about this place. It's I'm taking you back, aren't I? Yes, you are. Tell us more. Yes, you are. It was idyllic until I was about 14. And then, then it was a rock. And then it was, let's get out of here. And so adventure and curiosity has always been a big part of my life. And off I came to Boston to go to school. And I've lived here for my whole adult life. Well, that's something that you and I have in common. You're a Boston College girl, so am I. Tell me about your college experience. Here you, you come from a little island, and you here you are in Boston and this beautiful school. Tell me about that experience. I have to say, I, I'm going to pause for a moment and say, when I look back, I'm very proud of myself for having made it through not knowing anyone that was going to BC, right? I was I, I didn't know anyone. And it was... An act of bravery for somebody from such a small town, I would say. It was a great experience. And the Jesuits taught us a lot. Our education at BC taught us a lot. What did they teach us? They taught us how to be discerning. They taught us how to be really strong, critical thinkers. Mm -hmm. And they also taught us to do for others. When you were growing up, who was your role model? My role model when I was growing up was my maternal grandmother, she was fun, loving. She was bright. She was authentic. She loved to listen to the Detroit Tigers and eat popcorn on Saturday afternoons. <laughs> she was great. What did she teach you, and what do you hold in your heart about her to this day? She taught me to be true to myself. Let's go to you land a job at Putnam Investments, and you flourished in that field. Branding, marketing, relationship building. You have a BA in economics. Talk to us a little bit about your early business life. It was so much fun. We had a ball. When I started at Putnam, the company wasn't where it is today. And so it was a build for sure. And I was on the institutional side. I had the good fortune of being the go between between our sales team and the external um, clients and consultants. It was a wonderful run. And my professional DNA was, was definitely formed early at Putnam. Relationships are everything in every business. I think you agree because I can see you shaking your head. How did you learn to build your business relationships and how has that stood you in, in good stead where you are today? I think I would start by answering that question early on. Before Putnam, actually, I worked for Fidelity Investments. And at a very young age, I was asked to manage a team of peers, um, probably seven or eight, to start a team of peers. And I thought to myself, how am I going to manage peers? And I realized that the best way to do that would be to build a trusting environment and to roll up our sleeves and do it together. 
And so collaboration was very much a part of my early professional uh, leadership, I would say. And then that just flourished as I continued to work through my career. And building relationships are a huge piece of getting work done. What is more satisfying than being able to understand what you, Candy, need and how I can help you solve that problem? You know, I remember my dad teaching me very early on. He said, Candace, relationships are not about you. It's always about the other person. And I've kept that in my mind and in my heart ever since. I am guessing that there is a story behind how you accepted the position of chief development officer at Heading Home. There's a terrific story. I was in transition at the moment and sitting on a spin bike next to a good friend, Andy Hoare. And he looked at me and said, what are you up to? And we started chatting. And he said, well, why don't you come talk to us at Heading Home? And I said, Heading Home? I wasn't. I didn't know what, what Heading Home was. And so I had the opportunity to meet with our CEO, Danielle. And I was very inspired by her. I could see that we would work really well together. Danielle is bright and forthright and has a master's in social work and MBA as well. So she's got both sides of the house in her head, which was going to be really important for me coming from the private sector. And then I had a chance to sit down with some of the board. And I was so inspired by their interest and willingness to roll their sleeves up and work diligently on behalf of our clients and our mission. And here we are today, four years later. Walk us through the services that Heading Home provides. Mm. Take us for a little walk inside your job. You bet. So the services that Heading Home provides, imagine for a moment the combination of place and support. So place isn't enough, and place is some form of shelter. If you're early on in your exiting of homelessness, it might be a shelter then it might look like transitional housing. It could look, and then it could ultimately look, look like permanent supportive housing. On the services side, I mentioned earlier that building trust is the bedrock of the work that we do with our clients. And once that trust has, has really started to take root, we're able to help the clients look at, in a teaming approach, to look at their futures and what they might be aspiring to and how we can help them make that happen. What resources they need. Again, help them build a sense of social capital. Help them plan for future successes. And for every client that looks different, it's not one model for every client. Every client is unique, just like you and I are unique. Heading Home provides emergency shelter, but the goal is permanent housing. And you've got a pretty good track record. 97% of the households you've assisted to move from a shelter to housing are still in their homes. It's really something we're super proud of. I think it's because we are able to meet each client where they are, understand what their goals and aspirations are, and then help them achieve those. And then that absolutely contributes to housing independence over the long term. What does it take to be a successful nonprofit, i.e. to penetrate the noise and get people to care about your mission and your cause? Well, Candy, in a way, I'm not sure it's the intention is to get people to care about our cause. I think in a way the intention is to listen to how they want to change the landscape in Boston how they want to leave an imprint here in our city and what concerns they have about 
the way our city is being run and how we can help them achieve those goals. So for us, the first step is to listen and to understand what's important to a donor or a corporate partner. Heading Home INC, headinghomeinc.org is the website if you might want to donate to this great nonprofit. Live and hybrid events are coming back little by little, including your signature event called She for She. Tell us a little bit about it. I'm so proud to be involved in it. Oh, we're so thrilled to have you this year. It's going to be great fun. She for She Candy was founded on the notion, really more than a notion, She for She was founded with the belief that women want to support other women at the end of the day. And that when I heard, when I came to Heading Home and heard that the fastest growing segment of the homeless population are young moms uh, with one or two children, and that in fact 90% of our family households look like that, I said, women would be appalled. Women would be up in arms to know about this. I also know about women that when we hold brave space for each other, just like on your podcasts, it gives us all a sense of greater comfort and encouragement to meet each other and support each other. And so She for She was founded as a way to not only amplify the voices of our young moms, our clients who need help, but also to have it be a space where women all over Boston, and now, thanks to virtual access, all over the country, can come together to support one another and learn together. Tell us the date of the event and how people can get tickets. The date of the event is January 27th, 2022. The time of the event is 4.30 p.m., and you can get tickets at headinghomeinc.org backslash events. How do you stay hopeful on days when these stories of homeless families might just break your heart? I'm fortunate in some ways in that I'm a very hopeful person. I wake up most mornings excited for the day, so that helps me. I find joy in the crevice, in the crevices, Candy. It's the small moments. We recently, I recently caught up with a client who I'd gotten to know doing some volunteer work in one of the shelters, and now she's moved on. She has her own apartment, and her daughter's thriving. And we spent some time chatting and catching up. And at the end of the visit, she said, Suzanne, I'll be right back. She, she, and she comes to me with this beautiful new dress for approximately maybe a six-year-old. And she said, I want you to take this to one of the moms in one of your shelters. Because I remember how my daughter must have felt when she was in shelter for three years. And I want another little girl to know that she has a bright future ahead. Hmm. I mean, Candy, it's moments like that that just warm your heart, right? The next set of questions I ask everyone who sits where you are. So get ready. When an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? I look at obstacles as opportunities to be more creative, to think more broadly. They're put there for a reason. They help us grow. They help us look at things through a different lens. It may not be A or B. It could actually be C. (laughs) So to me, it's an opportunity to really exercise some creativity. 
What's the best piece of advice, Suzanne, that you've ever received? It can be personal, it can be professional, and can you pass that along to our listeners? The best piece of advice I've ever been given was I was struggling with a decision, and I, and I was really having a hard time with it. And the advice was, pretend that you are meeting somebody on the street that you don't know, and challenges presented. How would you advise that person? Very helpful. It takes your emotions, right? It takes your emotions out of the decision. What do you wish you knew when you first got started in the nonprofit space? Has there been something that you needed to learn the hard way or something that surprised you? I think that people want to support. And I think often folks will ask me, how is it that you ask people for money? How is that possible? Actually, you're not asking people for money in, in, in that way. They actually want to be asked, right? They want to support. And it's all about framing and helping them get to the decision where they can say, yes, I'm ready to support. So I think it's looking at the nonprofit space through a different lens. Here are my 16 life lessons. There are pieces of wisdom that I've collected over many, many years and hundreds of women who have shared their stories with me. Take a look at that list of 16 and tell me, is there anything that resonates for you and why? Well, so many of them do, but right away I'm going to jump on number six. Courage is when you leap. Faith is when you believe you will land on your feet. And I'm choosing that today because it's in honor of our clients. And if you had asked me who my heroes are today, it would be our clients because every day they say, still I rise. Maya Angelou gave us those words and our clients embody them. And it's every day an honor and a privilege to see the work that they do to leave their homelessness behind. Final question. I believe that we see our success in chapters In this particular chapter in your life, how do you define it? What does success mean to you? Success for me in this role at Heading Home is that I've been able to help people move the needle on a very important issue in our city, and it makes people feel really good. Suzanne Pichet, she is the Chief Development Officer at Heading Home, and she's also a very good friend. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your story with us today on the story behind her success. What an honor. Thank you, Candy. And that's the story behind her success for this week. If you know a woman I should interview for the show, reach out and tell me about her. Just go to my website, candyoterry.com. There's also a full library of stories for you to listen to anytime you need a little dose of inspiration. Follow me on Facebook at Candio Terry Official and on all other platforms at Candio Terry. And whether you're listening on one of our radio affiliates or from your smartphone, we'll have a fresh episode for you next week on the story behind her success. And remember, when we lift each other up, we all rise. <laughs>